Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And a little while back, we did a video about non-fungible tokens, NFTs. And I know a number of you in my comments elsewhere on the internet have a lot of strong feelings about these things and whether or not they should be used in really any capacity, but specifically here in Virtual Legality in the capacity of talking about video games. Now, this video that I did talked about Ubisoft's efforts through their Quartz technology and the sale of quote-unquote digits, NFTs, to you and me through their game Ghost Recon Breakpoint and whether or not that was a good thing, a bad thing, a problematic thing. In that video, I kept an open mind. I am interested in technology. I am, if you don't know, a venture capital lawyer. I do mergers and acquisitions. I do technology-based transactions in my daily life. And so I like to think about new ways that things can be explored, especially economically. But as I said in that video, there were issues presented by what Ubisoft put forth. Their terms of service didn't present a decentralized environment that really made obvious the value proposition to any customers that were using it. So I looked at it and came to the conclusion that this was probably not ultimately the way to go but that we should keep an open mind on these things because even though Ubisoft hasn't presented a use case that I'm terribly interested in, it isn't impossible that there could be some kind of use case that immediately makes sense to everybody in the world of video gaming. But Ubisoft isn't terribly happy with the way their NFTs have been perceived and an amazing interview over the last 24 hours or so has really offered a set of transparent answers from Ubisoft about how they feel things have gone. And so I want to talk to you about them here today. Now, this isn't the place, as I suggested from that brief introduction, to just have folks rail on NFTs. You're not going to hear that from me. If you are looking for a place where people do that, you will have no shortage of options. I just pulled up Ubisoft in the Google search window here, and you could see Kotaku. Ubisoft executive says users don't get it in extraordinary NFT interview, which we're going to talk about today. Ubisoft execs defend NFTs. Players don't get it. Ubisoft says players don't get NFTs, but can't explain what there is to get. PC gamer, etc., etc. So as a starting place, it's important to note that the environment right now regarding NFTs and their interactions with video games, very aggressive, very aggressively hostile, I would argue, especially from the journalistic front. And while I don't see a use case right now, especially with the way that Ubisoft has kind of controlled the system of quartz and digits, I do believe in experimentation on these kinds of things. And I think that's all that Ubisoft is really doing. But let's look at that interview, which is going to be the bulk of this video, because it is fascinating. And there's a number of reasons why it is fascinating, one of which really shouldn't be discounted. And that's that these folks from Ubisoft are talking in a very transparent manner, much more transparently than we see in many, many other contexts. So I think we have to give Ubisoft credit for that because this isn't as massaged. This isn't as much corporate messaging as we usually see or frankly evaluate here in this space at virtual legality. And there is a value in having these publishers and these video game companies be so open, even if you don't like what they have to say. In fact, Primarily, we want them to be more open when we wouldn't like what they have to say. So I want to give them credit there. I also want to give context here. This is described as interview 
Ubisoft responds to angry NFT digits and quartz reactions. And this is from an author by the name of Chris Stead. He gives an intro here, and it's clear that he's at least relatively sympathetic to the concept of cryptocurrencies, NFTs, and their interactions with games. He describes the digits launch, says gamer feedback was negative to the point of being aggressive, as gamers are wont to do, putting a little bit of the onus on gaming itself. I can understand why gamers are wary, he says, but I personally do not share that anger. In fact, I was excited by the launch of Quartz and Digits, albeit with an asterisk. Having worked in games media for well over two decades, I'm about the experience first and foremost. I play for fun. I think, generally speaking, we all do. I'm not interested in investing or in make money from games, but having also kept a close eye on blockchain and NFT games over the last four years, I can see the potential the technology has to offer gamers greater freedom. If products like Ubisoft Quartz and Digits, and you can trust that more will come, are handled correctly, there's plenty for gamers to gain. And I think that correctly is doing a lot of work. Different people are going to have different impressions of what correctly means. Certainly, these publishers aren't putting these kinds of things in, aren't doing these kinds of experiments out of the goodness of their heart. They see a possibility for an additional market, an additional revenue stream for them. But that doesn't mean that that revenue stream isn't something that's also not going to provide gamers with value. So I think, I don't want to put words in this author's mouth, but I think that we can say that he's sympathetic to the concept here, but may or may not be sympathetic to the implementation by Ubisoft. So let's dive in. I presented my fears to Nicholas Pouard, VP at Ubisoft Strategic Innovations Lab, and I apologize if that pronunciation is horrible. This is what he had to say with help from Didier Genevois, Ubisoft's blockchain technical director. This interview was conducted in English, which is a second language for both individuals. And I think that's an important point to note as well. Regularly in virtual legality, we're parsing things very closely in this space. I don't think it's appropriate to parse the specific statements here quite as closely because English is their second language. They're not trying to evoke connotative dissonance or whatever else you might see in various public relations or corporate or legal vetted statements. Uh, so we're going to take these on their face a little bit more than we might otherwise in a different context. So the first question asks, gamer feedback to the Ubisoft Quartz and Digits launch has been generally negative. I think that's an understatement. What has the feedback told you about the prospects of mainstream NFT success? So here Puard says, well, it was a reaction we were expecting. Yeah, they would be well within their rights to understand what was happening with respect to NFTs when they announced this thing. So it's no surprise that they were expecting a negative reaction. We know it's not an easy concept to grasp. And, and here is where I think things start to fall down the hill a little bit, right? The primary defense that Ubisoft and their chief blockchain NFT quartz digits evangelist here is going to go down is effectively we see a future and the gamers don't understand it. Now, I don't necessarily think that's a wrong conception insofar as I don't really understand the aggressive hostility towards what are effectively economic experimentation in these video games. But you do see that hostility, and I think that's what he's reacting to a little bit. Certainly, Ubisoft sees some possibility here, or they wouldn't even be investing the resources and time required to do this kind of thing. You can think they're the evil empire and that they're just trying to figure out a way to benefit themselves, but that doesn't strike me as fully accurate. And certainly, they won't benefit themselves if a value proposition for someone somewhere isn't realized. So I, I think he's justified here, but I also think it's the wrong defense to actually put forth. It's how you get all of these headlines like PC gamers. Players don't get it, but can't explain what there is to not get. 
And to some extent, even though that sounds aggressive and it's not the headline that we would use here in virtual legality, it's, it's also not wrong. As we go through this interview, you won't see the use case described that would convince gamers that this is a good idea necessarily. You just have a lot of this, it's not an easy concept to grasp. And admittedly, blockchain, NFT, not an easy concept to grasp. He continues, but Quartz is really just a first step that should lead to something bigger, something that will be more easily understood by our players. And our belief is that piece by piece, the puzzle will be revealed and understood by our players. And I'm not going to read through all of these answers word for word. Frankly, this interview is great. The author deserves the clicks. I will, of course, link this in the description to the video. But overall, here we have Nicholas Pouard coming to the same kind of conclusion that I came to in my earlier video, which is that this is an experiment. They're testing it out with a game, quite frankly, that was never a massive success for them, never reached the heights they wanted it to. So it's a free test bed. And they're messing around with the levers and the buttons and the pulleys and everything else to figure out what is the use case that will compel players on this front. I personally don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think folks are a little bit fearful of what this might lead to in a way that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. That's my tilt. You can leave your comment to my video telling me how I'm wrong or naive about these kinds of things to your heart's content. But overall, this answer makes sense even if philosophically, I think the, you don't want to have the main message going out there saying players just don't understand. The second question here, you spoke in your presentation about improving the relationship with players. If that is your goal with Quartz, it must be quite frustrating to see the feedback you've received. Pouard, it's part of the process, I would say. It's a reaction we are accustomed to. Ubisoft, very accustomed to negative press over the past few years. I think it's great because it shows how engaged our players are and how passionate they are about their hobby and gaming in general. I think it's reassuring somehow. Now, this is a little bit vetted. This is a little bit political in terms of an answer. They're just so darn passionate. And at some level, hey, that's a good thing. The opposite of love isn't hate. It's indifference, right? The worst possible thing you can do if you're selling products into a marketplace is find a market that just doesn't care that you even released anything. Well, folks cared about Quartz and Digits. Folks care about what Ubisoft is doing, and that's better than that alternative. So I think it is reassuring at a business level, but it's an interesting answer to give here. Still, obviously, we are a bit frustrated. Yes, right. The vitriol was humongous. It was everywhere. And that can't be fun if you're in charge of implementing this at that company. But I think overall it's okay, and it's something we can really understand. We so strongly believe that what we are doing with Quartz and Digit goes in the right direction. So we will keep integrating. I think it's probably iterating, but again, second language. Obviously, listening to what our fans are telling us and how they're telling us as we go so we can also adapt what we are doing and what we're going. So have this answer meeting up with the first answer. And what you've got is players don't quite understand. Players are angry early, but we strongly believe in this product and this service, and we're going to keep changing it. This is an experiment. And we'd ask gamers to come with us, presumably from Ubisoft, but we don't necessarily care that much as we figure out what works and what doesn't work. Well, let's talk about making sense of it. What do you think is the big positive that gamers are missing about what NFTs like Digits can offer them. And you can see all the highlights here because this is one of the more substantive answers that Pouard gives. I think gamers don't get what a digital secondary market can bring to them. Totally fair. I don't get it. Tell me a story. For now, because of the current situation in context of NFTs, gamers really believe it's first, destroying the planet, and second, just a tool for speculation. 
Uh-oh. And again, we're not going to parse these words that closely, but this isn't a great defense either. I think gamers don't understand. As I said, tell me a story. And then it's, here's what they hate about it. Well, that's not me not understanding. You have to tell me the assets. Yes, you can decry the liabilities and say those are mitigated. Perhaps they are, but you still haven't established what's on the asset side of your ledger. But we at Ubisoft are seeing first is the end game. The end game is about giving players the opportunity to resell their items once they're finished with them or finished playing the game itself. So it's really for them. It's really beneficial, but they don't get it for now. Also, this is part of a paradigm shift in gaming. Moving from one economic system to another is not easy to handle. There are a lot of habits you need to go against and a lot of your ingrained mindset that you have to shift. So let's give the benefit of the doubt to Ubisoft. I know a lot of you don't like to do that, but let's give them the benefit of the doubt. One of the arguments that I can see them making here, even if it isn't quite as fulsome as I would like to see, is effectively, look, secondary markets as a concept are only going to be valuable when a lot of people are actually involved with them. So when you start one up, it's always going to have teething pains. It's always going to look dumb. And one of the things that we're looking to do at Ubisoft is establish those markets, set up this economic regime so that you know this is what you get with a Ubisoft product. And that doesn't happen with the first experiment. So people reacting very, very strongly to it don't see the positives because frankly, they don't exist. There's network effects that give those positives. There's other things that go into that. And what they do see are the negatives, which is the energy consumption and monkey pictures and other fraudulent transactions that are in the news basically every day on these things. NFTs have bad branding as a concept. Frankly, if I'm Ubisoft, that's why I called them digits. Don't want to use NFTs. In fact, the fact that we're talking about them is not ideal for what Ubisoft wants to do. But is that compelling right now? No. Because their answer is, hey, a lot of you hate it for these reasons. Okay, granted. Uh, and we're promising you that something will look positive in the future. That this economic transition will lead to something good. It'll be beneficial because you can sell things. But as we talked about, Ubisoft's own terms of service kind of eliminate much of the value of a decentralized approach to this so that Ubisoft can control it. Nothing wrong with that. That's what businesses do. But it does make the use case far less compelling. Continuing, do you think you would have been better off launching Quartz without mentioning NFTs or the blockchain if you had just launched a new platform that offered gamers something new without exposing them to the underlying mechanics powering it? Actually, we tried in a way. That's why we named them Digits. As I said, NFTs, not good branding at this point. But we considered not speaking about the technology and we know our players. They would have known Digits were NFTs. And then Didier Genevois comes in. If I can just comment on that a bit, as Nicholas said, we knew that if we didn't reference the technology, players would have noticed. And one of the first concerns gamers have when it comes to blockchain is its impact on the environment and the energy it consumes. As such, it was key for us to be able to show we were aware of that concern. Our research has a very strong engagement when it comes to the environment and those concerns in general. And in fact, that's one of the things that I pointed out I liked about what Ubisoft was doing. This December 3rd blog post from Nicholas Pouard, the guy giving the interview, or at least the primary guy giving the interview that we're discussing today, was a very, very, very good statement, in my opinion. It talked about the issues. It talked about what they were trying to do. Go to that earlier video that I did to see us go through this more fulsomely. But one of the things that jumped out is that they talked specifically about environmental considerations and the fact that they weren't going to use a proof of work concept. They were going to use a proof of stake concept. And that was much, much, much less energy. And they were trying to get out in front of what this Quartz and Digits announcement would be. To my mind, 
who knew of this blog post, who had watched Ubisoft kind of tiptoe up to the point in time where they were making the announcement that they made, I thought to good effect. But this isn't a great way to get this information out there. And when you start analyzing the actual product they put out, that's when the problems arise. And so while this is effective, and I think it's useful, and I think it's good to see the direction Ubisoft wants to go, it ultimately doesn't put players where they need to be looking at quartz and digits and saying, yes, that's a good thing. So I think they tried. Uh, And I think the actual statement they made was a good one, but it isn't enough if you can't prove the positives which they really can't at this point in time, because if, again, we're giving the benefit of the doubt, they're still experimenting. Well, it's not just the environment, I fear, says the interviewer. A lot of the feedback I read suggests that gamers view or fear NFTs being the new microtransactions, the new loot boxes, the digits are going to make gaming with Ubisoft more expensive. Are they right or are they wrong? Well, first, players are always right. And again, we'll give translation issues here. He's trying to say the customer is always right. He's not trying to say that they're right, that it's going to be more expensive on the Ubisoft platform. But he says, the first point I would say is that digits are fully optional. It's something we've built outside the game's economy. And that might well be true. Battle passes are optional. Skin purchasing is optional. Uh, But they definitely make the user experience better in certain important ways. So we would expect, if these experiments were to work for the Ubisofts of the world, that they would somehow become feeling like they're necessary for a player to fully enjoy the game experience. Certainly, we see with microtransactions that there are good companies that use them and then there are bad companies that use them that slice off functionality, other things that should have been in the package in the first instance. And I do think there's legitimate concerns that if these prove to be profitable for a publisher, whether it's Ubisoft or the next publisher down the line, you get slicing and dicing of what you would have gotten in the box so that you're out on the blockchain and somehow benefiting Ubisoft with those secondary transaction fees. Because if you can get a secondary transaction fee as a publisher, that's better than not. And so how much do you start to tip the scales towards moving people in that direction? I think there are legitimate concerns there and concerns that haven't truly been answered by any of these publishers because only Ubisoft has dipped its toe in the water at this point. At no point will we force our players to use quartz and digits. Fair enough. But again, it's about tipping the scale. It's not about force. We just inform them that there is a new system that could provide them with a higher value than the existing ones. Now, there's the way we built the platform regarding eligibility criteria. We've made it so that it's somewhat hard for people to get into it. You must purchase the game. You must play at least two hours. So it's a bit complicated for pure speculators to go there and invest and inflate the markets. We think, and the first figures we have corroborate our expectation that Quartz is primarily for our players. In fact, That appears to be their main goal, was to avoid getting into the monkey JPEG speculation market because those would have been far, far worse press releases than what they've gotten even today. The net effect of that, however, was, as Kotaku reports at the end of December, that these particular NFTs don't appear to be selling very well, don't appear to be making Ubisoft any money. And they give a number of reasons for that. People hate NFTs, etc. People think that the actual helmet at issue is ugly, all sorts of reasons that Kotaku gives. But Ubisoft itself here is admitting that they are trying to keep the speculators off of this particular system, that what they want is for gamers to become more engaged, because frankly, that's where they make their money and not random folks that don't want to play Ghost Recon Breakpoint or any of the other Ubisoft games. Ubisoft continues by also noting As we mentioned, that this is still an experiment. We'll adapt the volumes of our upcoming editions so there's not too much inflation. Our main concern is to make sure that even on a secondary market, prices do not get too high. 
so that it's still accessible to regular players. And that goes against what you normally report on if you're talking about NFTs or any kind of investment kind of concept, right? If Ubisoft is legitimate in what they're saying, we want this to be a player value add and not necessarily a bottom line revenue huge booster to Ubisoft because there's suddenly $400,000 for a helmet in Ghost Recon, then we're evaluating them and Kotaku is calling them to task for entirely the wrong reasons, right? They don't want those numbers to get too high because they want it to only be for players because they still make their money solely from user engagement. This could just be a sweetener in some versions of how this business model might look. And we don't know where it will wind up. So for clarification, something like the skin NFT we've seen released for Ghost Recon Breakpoint, will that be available to buy through the game economy or even earned and then only become a unique NFT if acquired or registered through Quartz? No, that's not what Ubisoft is aimed at. Those skins are exclusive to Quartz. You cannot get them in game if you do not go through Quartz. So they're not forcing people, but they are incentivizing people by putting exclusive content over there. And that's going to be something that people that are really into a game are going to be invested in seeing if they can get. One of the big beliefs tied to blockchain is decentralization about taking power away from the big corporates and putting it in the hands of the consumers looking from the outside in. I question instantly the value of decentralization for a company like Ubisoft. How is decentralization good for Ubisoft? Now, this assumes its premise. As we talked about going through the terms of Quartz and Digits, this is actually a very non-decentralized version of the NFT concept. I think that's one of the reasons it's been called to task in various places around the internet. But I could also offer, and I don't think this is the answer Ubisoft gives, that decentralization, if it is a value to consumers, is useful for an entire industry, whether it's gaming or something else, because if you can increase the size of the pie, even if you lose central control, exclusive control over any given part of that pie, you can still make more money because the slices are just that much bigger. So people ask me this all the time. They say, well, these publishers are never going to give up those exclusive rights. And I will tell you this, if they can make more money, they will. It's always about evaluating exactly what that looks like. When you see conversations about the metaverse, no one fully understands what they mean. Investors like to hear the word and they like to know that companies are considering what it might mean because that's what they want to see before they put their money in. But when you tell me, well, companies would never give up those rights, they'd have to control full aspects of it. Yes, in the world that we see right now, but it's possible there is an economy that exists where they don't take up that much control, but still share in the profitability, engagement, and just general money flow into a concept like that without that control. So when you have this conversation, the experiments are about, hey, can we actually make more money even if we give up what are traditional exclusive rights of some kind? And companies have done that since the dawn of time, and they'll continue to do that here. And we shouldn't assume that the status quo of exclusive ownership and the way software licenses are written and all this other stuff is going to be the way that they make the most money at some point in the future. Now, Nicholas Pillard says, so the question is really about player engagement and how you share an ecosystem with them. When you look at the valuation of just Ubisoft, the company, it's about 3 billion US dollars, I think, something like that. But the whole ecosystem is valued at more than $15 billion. So the ecosystem is bigger than the company. As such, the interest in decentralization for a centralized company like Ubisoft is to open the gates of our games and to make them bigger by sharing a stake with our players. I don't want to go into numbers, but owning a percentage of a huge ecosystem might be even more interesting than just owning a game today. And, and that's right at the Ubisoft level. And I think you start to get hints at, okay, 
this helmet concept and these costume concepts and whatever else we're putting in Ghost Point, Ghost Recon Breakpoint can make more sense if they also have some value in every other Ubisoft game. Not just because that's giving you what you want in Ghost Recon, but it's also incentivizing you to go check those things out in the other games in our ecosystem where we make money, not just from sales, but from engagement. So that Ubisoft looks at this and says, yeah, it's centralized insofar as we control it at Ubisoft. We talk about licenses and various things in the terms. Again, go check out that earlier video I did. But we can connect our content in such a way that people are driven to go look at our other games, products, and services. Much like you might already be thinking the Nintendo Amiibo concept, right? Where you get this little statue and it has different effects in different games and you are at least on the margins more inclined to get that next Nintendo game that has an Amiibo because you know that you're going to have some extra piece of content that works with that game. And so I can imagine Ubisoft saying, okay, if these helmets are this way, and then you get to drag it over to the next Ghost Recon, or even into Rainbow Six Siege, or you can show it off in Extraction, or something else where it makes sense, then you can start giving the story to your financial folks at that company saying, this is going to drive engagement into our ecosystem. And so when they give an answer like this, it's about having a stake in Ubisoft. That makes some sense to me. And then when we talk about metaverse things later on, it could make sense to a Ubisoft to have some stake in a grander, non-exclusive kind of concept. So it's all part of the same story, but no one can tell you that they know what it looks like in the future because it's still so inchoate and it might wind up being nothing. This is what good companies do is they experiment with new technology and see what it could lead to, even if that answer ultimately is nothing. The most cynical feedback, says the interviewer I've read from gamers, has pointed to this being a ploy to line Ubisoft's pockets with more money, which is a funny way of describing how businesses operate. Yes, they are looking for potential revenue streams. They get revenue from providing value to consumers. If they can provide that value, they will get more revenue. That's, that's the way this works. They answer, the model of play to earn is about allowing players to make their own money by adding value to the whole ecosystem. So it's not just about Ubisoft, actually. That value they would propose to add is also going to the consumers. Considering that Ubisoft is trying to lead in this emerging space, when you see what happened with the Stalker 2 team, if you don't know, they tried to add NFTs, they were immediately pulled back after a significant amount of backlash. How does it make you feel? What was your reaction? They say it's not the same use case to the players, I would say. I think that's right. It's kind of a different concept the Stalker 2 team was bringing. I know it's only been a couple of weeks since the launch of Quartz, but what are the key learnings you've taken away so far from the launch of those digits? What we learned is that the hurdles we put in place for the eligibility criteria worked. They wanted to keep it down and off the speculation market. And maybe just to add to that from a technical standpoint, we're very happy that everything worked as expected. We wanted to be committed to this environmentally friendly choice on the Tezos blockchain, and we're very happy that it all worked. That is worth pointing out. I don't know how many people are actually engaged with it. It seems to be a very limited number, but there have been no reports that it doesn't function or that it breaks down or that you lose what you earned or anything like that. So the technology appears to have worked. And frankly, they probably picked putting it in an environment that didn't have as many active users in a game that wasn't as popular as some of their other stuff. If it broke, it wouldn't be as big of a problem. And if it otherwise caused trouble, it wouldn't be quite as big of a press release as it would be if, say, they did it in Rainbow Six Siege. Do you guys see a future where players own the games themselves, that the games are an NFT? That's part of the use case we can explore, but it's not the focus today. Again, owning directly the Ubisoft ecosystem. And do you see a future where the majority of Ubisoft games, if not all the games, are tied into quartz and digits in some way? And there have been various reports about pressures put on various companies at Ubisoft and otherwise 
to look for ways to incorporate these various things. They kind of decline that. They say, actually, we are a very decentralized company already. We let each project's team decide if they want to have digits or not or use the Quartz platform itself. So it's open. But obviously, the company has invested in these resources. And part of the conversation, even with a project team lead, would be, is there a way to incorporate this in a way that makes sense for your game on the good part, on the good side? Or if you're thinking they're a little bit more evil, is there a way to incorporate this? I don't care whether it's good for your game. Moving on from games then, during your presentation on Quartz and Digits, you mentioned possible future acquisitions of decentralized autonomous organizations, DAO. What did you mean by that? Did I miss here? And he answers, well, I meant the future of user acquisition. Here I take a sidestep just for a moment because user acquisition is an apt term. You're gathering users into your ecosystem. I've always found it funny that corporations are willing to go out with this particular phraseology though because it's so cold. It gives you the sense of the matrix, right? We're acquiring users and you can see one of the problems with messaging there is that it does sound like acquisitions and you can get confused because we're used to thinking of acquisitions of things like goods and services and companies, not people. User acquisition is an interesting term, makes a lot of sense internally, doesn't make a lot of sense externally. I'm surprised it's kind of been adopted here on the outside. If you build a good play to earn experience, says Ubisoft, those guilds will come to your game and they will boost up your ecosystem. And the net effect is that you need to engage the whole economy and community. So yeah, it's no more just about the marketing expense of how you acquire new players, but it's how you build your game in a way that will attract those guilds. Now, not speculators necessarily, but right up there on the edge, folks that aren't necessarily otherwise playing your game, that will play your game specifically because you have a play-to-earn NFT digits quartz kind of concept. So they're kind of walking the line there with what people are generally concerned about. Attracting guilds talks very specifically to the play-to-earn space. Is that something you're interested in? Yes, we're interested in play-to-earn. There's the fun, of course, the pleasure you take by just playing. There's, in fact, that you can learn things. For instance, in Assassin's Creed, you learn about history. And we worked on experiments in old games when you could learn new soft skills. I love the Assassin's Creed world tour modes. Love them. Adding a real-world value reward might be the next addition on top of all the value a game already offers. So Quartz is just a continuity of what we're already doing, but it must be handled well, I would say, or properly, because it's a very different way to think about the game economy and the monetization. It, it definitely is. That's a struggle that they're having. Then this last answer, I believe, is about whether or not they'll cross-brand with things like Rabbids. They said, in the past, we've made some experiments by joining CryptoKitties and Rabbids, so there's definitely an avenue to cross-brand experimentation like this, but for now, there's nothing that is about to be shipped. So this interview, even though it's being decried in various places on the internet as they just don't understand. I think you saw Kotaku, I believe, is leading with that uh, Skinner picture from Simpsons. Uh, it's not me. It's the children who are wrong, etc. I don't think any of that is necessarily wrong insofar as I do think that some of these answers do suggest, well, they just don't understand. But also, if we're giving benefit of the doubt, I think it's because they can't understand. Whatever Ubisoft sees in the future, they see it as something that goes across their ecosystem, that value is derived from the stake that you get in Ubisoft as a product and service provider, and that that can't exist at the start. So this interview is the kind of thing I would see from all game publishers often. And we unfortunately don't see this kind of thing, primarily because this is very often the result in the gaming journalism space. I don't see it quite as negatively as those folks do, even though, as you heard in this very video, I call them to task on quite a few things and quite a few answers that they've given. Still, when we evaluate these kinds of things, I am unmoved 
that NFTs, digits, quartz, whatever you wind up calling them for your specific branding at your specific publisher could have a value here in the long term, but that current strategies at Ubisoft or elsewhere do not evidence that value. They do not prove that use case. I'm eager to see what could happen in the future, but could things go wrong? Could they have the negative effects that players are worried about? Absolutely. But let's wait for that to happen before we decry the entire concept of the technology itself. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoy talking about technology, software, pop culture, and more through the lens of business and law, we could use support from folks like you. We can't do it without you. Please check out our Patreon. We've got some wonderful tiers there, or we've got other ways to support the channel listed in the description. Otherwise, if you just want to subscribe, ring bells, upvotes, downvotes, do whatever else these various platforms are telling you to do to tell folks that we're having these conversations, all of it helps. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.